Welcome everybody, filibuster freestyle. We've got a couple of old friends coming in today from the West Coast. You know them from Man Cook Good, Kitchen Quarantine, and many other things. Jeremy Johnson will join us from the Subaru Sound Booth, and Andrew Patterson will also be joining us live from Walpole, Mass. Um, Going to do a little sports jerks. Got a little 2021, 2021 that is. 2020 is finally over in theory. And uh, we got a little 2021 Red Sox preview, kind of Cliff Notes for Dummies version, whatever you want to call it, sports jerk style, hitting the theme song. And then on the other side, JJ and Andrew Patterson on the Filibuster Freestyle. Filibuster, Filibuster Freestyle. All right, ladies and gents, as promised, theme song's over. On the East Coast, Andrew Patterson. On the West Coast, Jeremy Johnson. We're here to do some sports jerks with a Z, only on the sports, because that's the copyright we could get. Uh, let's see. Andrew, how are you doing, first of all? I'm doing um, pretty good. I mean, as good as a New Englander in March can be doing, because we've hit that point where the weather's been awful for four months, and you get like one day where it's 50 degrees, and you're like, oh, it's spring, and then it's back to 20 for a week. So as good as a man in those circumstances can be. Good. Well, uh, Jeremy is, as the folks know and follow him on, on Instagram at Man Cook Good. He keeps prompting that summer is coming from L.A., which means spring must have sprung out there. So let's live vicariously through you, J.J. What's it like over there today? We're in uh, what's referred to as our second spring of the year. Um, You get a a bloom cycle that happens somewhere in uh, January, and then you get another one that kicks in in March, and this one's kind of a bigger one. So we're about to hit daylight saving time, so we're going to get an extra hour at daylight in the afternoon, and things are just going to start getting warmer and more of the land of fruit and honey out here i like it and and hopefully uh actually i know i know it's true starting april 1st city of boston bringing back outdoor dining on the streets which is one of the few things they got right during the pandemic was turning all of boston into basically the north end or european situation but listen folks we are here to talk about boston we're not here to talk about food for once unless maybe if you ever get a quick quick air fryer story what is that noise is that someone's like sink? Oh, Andrew yeah, Patterson. I needed some water. Andrew I Patterson water. is uh, brought to you by water from the tap. Listen, I just want to maintain the not the worst podcast guest, not the most difficult podcast guest, but the most distracting. The, yes, the most distracting podcast guest. You There's can no have. way you can hold up against O'Brien and his. Uh, yeah, he likes to shuffle. Like, he cleans the silverware <laughs> in a rucksack. There, there was literally an episode like where it pundits. sounded. Yeah, it sounded like Dan was throwing things down the stairs the entire time. Just so anyway, smashing champagne flutes with a yeah, ball hammer. Unreal, and it was like an hour long pod too. So, listen, guys, the Red Sox, um, it's spring training. We all know this. Things really can't get worse than last year. The team essentially tanked, and it went incredibly well to the point where we all checked out after three weeks. So, good enough time as any to bring it up. We, we, we finally know the fate of Jackie Bradley Jr. He's moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's start with this. The wind dance repeat outfield of Benintendi Betts. And Bradley, now officially no longer any of them on the Red Sox. End of an era. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on Jackie signing elsewhere for two years, $24 million? JJ, we'll, we'll start with you. 
I mean, look, I love JBJ. I, I love Mookie, and I once loved Benny. But, you know, you get to a certain point with a franchise where you got to make choices. And I love, 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 love how um, Bloom handled JBJ. Everything he said in the media was, we love this player. We want him to be on the team. We hope things work out. They stay in touch. I'm sure he was talking with Boris left and right. He had a number that he made an offer that they were willing to pay. And, you know, Jackie went out and made more money. And he deserves to make as much as he can. But you, you got to refuse to overpay for history. And you got to, like... What kind of team are you trying to build? Do you want the best center fielder that anybody's ever seen in the field who takes entire months off at the plate? Or do you want guys that are going to put the ball in play and maybe play like a B-plus level of defense? Sure. This isn't, you know, this isn't the, you know, the early 80s where you can go out there and field the team that's going to win with the glove. Like, that's not the game that we're playing anymore. That's fair. So we'll leave that there. Go to Patterson. Uh Andrew Patterson, where where are you, man? Where are you on the JBJ signing, and, and how you feeling at the, in the moment? Well, one to go back to your uh, wind dance repeat outfield of 2018. If you had told me at the after that World Series that in 2021 we would, as the Boston Red Sox, have two people that played outfield in the 2018 World Series on the team, I'd have been very happy. However. Not if you would follow it up by telling me it was Alex Verdugo and Kiki Hernandez. Who played for the Dodgers. <laughs> who both played for the Dodgers outfield in that World Series. Um, I think Jeremy was right on. I mean, they handled JBJ the way they should have handled Mookie, um, which was make some offers, don't close the window, talk it up good. Um, you know, I'll, they should have held on to Mookie for another year and done what they could, but they didn't. But maybe Bloom is now the general manager, um, you know, not the general manager we deserve, but the general manager we need. All right, that's fair. That's fair. So we're three years removed from the World Series trophy. Those guys are all gone. We have two-thirds of the Dodgers outfield from that year when they came in second place. Um, Andrew, you're a big Verdugo guy. Is that a fair statement? It is. Uh, I, you know, as soon as you flew in the towel on Mookie Betts, you, I want young, exciting players. Sure. And so Alex Verdugo gives that to you in spades. For a few years, it's not going to be about winning the World Series. It might not even be about getting to the playoffs. So if you're going to put me in that position as a fan, give me young, exciting guys that maybe will be there in the future, but even if they aren't, are going to be fun to watch for the years they're here. That's fair. You know? uh, and I think Verdugo, that's exactly what Verdugo is. Yeah. And I do think about, like, you know, Jeremy and I, maybe the three of us were even on a pod, but I think it was the year between when we signed uh, David Price for way too much money. But the, the season before that, I feel like they were, it was Ben Attendi and Betts, and, and it was a fun team, you know, obviously Bradley. And it was a fun young team, and we enjoyed watching it. And, JJ, will you say that, that we're in that position again where hopefully they're fun and young as opposed to last year when they were a bunch of, Quadruple A players. Um, you think we're going to have a fun and exciting year? Where do you think the team's going to be talent wise? Yeah. I, no, please interrupt me. Go ahead. You, I did not say the whole team was going to be young and fun. Like I'm saying, I was speaking on Alex Verdugo specifically. Sure, sure, yeah. And I'm just taking uh, it to the next level. Is okay. this going to be a fun and exciting team in general? You know. Look, we've what we've got here is shades of the 
2017 team mixed with the 2013 team. So we've got a bunch of baseball players on the team. And some of them are young and some of them are veterans, but they are all like athletic and they're pretty versatile. And the lineup and the field is not the problem. It's going to be the starting pitching. And, you know, Bloom has, uh, he's rebuilt the franchise in terms of like value. And I don't just mean how good one through nine is, but like, you know, we didn't have anybody that anyone wanted beyond (laughs) bets. And what we have now, it's like, like, I want the guy. I want Bloom playing that game bigger and better where you start with a paperclip and you trade items until you end up in a house or driving a Porsche or something because (laughs) he just keeps collecting athletic, versatile baseball players and improving the team. And now, like, when we come to the trade deadline this year, if we aren't performing well and he makes the call and he can move, like, six or seven guys and, like, you know – end up with like 14 new assets to work with and just keep adding talent and adding guys that can do a lot of different things. And eventually you're going to end up with top flight, young starting pitching that you can control. Yeah. And until then he's taken flyers on starters who eat innings are dependable. And then also guys with upside, like, you know, for instance, Garrett Richards comes to mind. He's a scratch ticket. He might be a Cy Young candidate. He may also be on the DL from June onward, you know? Right. Speaking, um, yeah, speaking of the DL, I mean, we we know what happened with the uh, decision to pitch everybody a million innings in the World Series and the playoffs in 2018. But you know what? We're hashtag worth it, and they paid – Dombrowski paid all those guys big time. Uh, I go to Andrew first, but what are your expectations that we get a little sale day, we get a little Evaldi – and it's, it, to Jeremy's point, we can eat up innings and hopefully have some competent, you know, five and two-thirds, six and two-thirds type performances from the starting pitchers, especially because they were all on the DL all of last year. Uh, the, the potential for this pitching staff to be good is there. Yeah. The potential for this pitching staff to have me screaming at the TV just two innings into a baseball game is also – there. I think the biggest swing, I mean, and Jeremy was saying this, the biggest one you can see on this team is going to be in their pitchers. Their lineup is going to be a fun lineup to watch. They're going to be fine defensively. And there's, and also speaking to what Jeremy said, the way you want to run this team, a signing like Kiki Hernandez makes a lot of sense. You got him on two years. You're not paying him a ton of money. He, he's, he's not coming off like the highest peak value of his career. You get in him in here, and he hits pretty well. I mean, you can flip him like you did Pilar last season. Sure. And so I, I think building the team that way is is the way to go because it'll keep it'll keep the product interesting. Yeah. I don't have a lot of faith in this pitching staff. I, I, Garrett Richards could be an MVP. Could be a Cy Young. I think he could have been a few years ago. I think those days are gone. I mean, I just want him to throw strikes. Because that's what he's not been doing for the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Sale, he'll be here in July. How good? Who knows how good he's going to pitch? They, like you know what I mean? You have nothing to say on that. Rodriguez, I've often been accused of being too high on <laughs> Rodriguez. Uh, I'll cop to that. I, I I have a soft spot for him. So 
I think he's the ace of the staff this year. I think he's your best pitcher. Uh, I, I also think at this point in his career, he's shown he's going to be your most consistent pitcher. Uh, and, and then after that, who knows? I think that Seabold kid, uh, I've I watched him a little bit in spring. He came over from Philly. I think that trade by the end of this year is going to look genius. Got it. It already does. Yeah. I mean, work, workman is terrible, and we knew that. He's. It's like... Yeah, I mean, we had everybody in our bullpen last year threw a fastball about 97 and flat and a 12-6 curveball. And nobody really wanted him, and he was able to trade chicken poop for chicken, chicken breast maybe. And, um, you know, maybe he turns into a good pitcher for us. But in the meantime, we got a bunch of guys. That's a guy that you could trade because he's got upside. Um, like you talk about uh, Kike Hernandez, he's Brock Holt 2.0. But mm-hmm. we also have Martin Gonzalez. Who's pretty much the same player? Like, what do teams need at the trade deadline yeah. if we're not yes. um, viable by the trade deadline? They need guys like Mark Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez. They need, they want guys who are like, you know, like um, the guy we got from the Yankees, Adovino. Um, yeah, they want like even like Matt Andreezy. Like these are guys that can they can pitch. It's like pitching depth. They can pitch out of the bullpen. Like, Andreezy could be, like, a good bullpen pitcher for a team that's trying to win the World Series. And because they're so loaded, they might give us, like, a really good prospect for him because they're desperate. And suddenly we're sellers at the deadline instead of, like, oh, God, I mean, we've got, like, this kid that Pedro Martinez likes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Like, we're actually loading up people that, like, other teams want. And then, best case scenario... We figure out a way to make Chris Sale finish his uh, season on the mound by having him start at the All-Star break. Sure. He's genius. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Erod just took a year off, so his arm is fresh and his elbow's fresh, and he's back with his, his Yoda and Alex Cora. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same with Rafi Devers. Martin Perez is going to bum you out immediately, but then somehow <laughs> by the end of the season you're going to be like, Gosh, I mean, he went like you know, twelve and thirteen with a four point five ERA. Which we'll take no as a starter, yeah. Because he doesn't have an out pitch, but he pitched one hundred and eighty innings. Yeah, and he yes. may get that same thing out of um, you know, out of Andreezy. So like, you got two guys that are going to eat up three hundred and fifty, four hundred innings between them, and get you carry you over in some like six to five, five to eight games, and. Yeah. Maybe Sale comes in like the Calvary, like, man, we're just one top flight starting pitcher away, and Chris Sale rides in on a horse. Uh, that is, I mean, that's a very good way to sum up the season. I, I'm i not as optimistic as Jeremy. I do feel like the Red Sox roster is comprised of puzzle pieces that could finish another team's puzzle, but mm. collectively do not make a puzzle. Right. It's a box, of, it's a box, of, um, it's a box of parts for other puzzles, maybe. It's a box of parts for other puzzles. Okay. Uh, and then I think it would be a miracle, you know, it would be the same the same chance that if you actually had that box of puzzle that they would all fit together themselves to form some sort of puzzle. Right. Well, the, 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 20 thir- the 2013 team was a lot like that, right? I mean, they'd finished last place the, the, the year after they finished last place, but somehow in 2013 they won the World Series. It was just the right mix and... Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. I mean, the 2013 team had also, for the most part, played together for a few years. That's fair. Uh, they had a vibe, and they had they, you know, they had a they had a, they had a new manager that year, but they already had kind of an atmosphere, and, and they had collectively played together for the 
important pieces of that team had collectively played together for a few years. That's fair. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the about our our VP of baseball ops, right? So so blue chain the chain man, right? Are they going to literally give him enough time to, to, to do this multi-year plan? Or are we going to panic again if it goes badly and hire some old-timer to overspend and so we can win a World Series and then have to give away a generational player the next year? I mean, I feel like the Red Sox have c- continued to kind of, since Theo left, uh, they, they pressed the panic button at the, at the ownership level a little bit. I, I, I know that they have said they're not going to do it this time. So wh- you guys are, are behind the owners not panicking if this year goes very poorly? Um, well, I'm never behind the owners, and I would never put up them panicking, but I would urge them to learn their lesson from Ben Charrington, who yeah. they should have given a few more years to. Uh, I would say Dombrowski always goes out in flames. I mean, yes. that's on yes. him. If that's on the Red Sox management for hiring him, not on the way he left. That's how he's left every organization he's been in. That's how he's going to leave. Um, is he in Philly, right? No. Is that where he is now? I don't I know. That's, wherever he is, that's where, how he's going to leave there. That's what he does. But um, So I'm not too worried about them pulling that again. I, I, I think they learned their lesson with Charrington. I think Bloom's going to be given a long leash. Mm. Um, and JJ? he deserves one. I think that what we get, here's, here's what we finally have. We have what we should have had with Theo because Lucchino's not in the building. Yeah. We never knew who was running the show as long as Lucchino was in there like Littlefinger <laughs> acquiring power and you know doing hit jobs in the paper and you never know who to blame and you never really know who to give credit for. And I mean, things got weird with Theo. He snuck out of the ballpark in a freaking ape suit. I mean, and <laughs> it was a weird time. And then Lucchino yeah. survived him and then he like continued to like exercise his like power behind the scenes and lord over Charrington until you get to the point where we're like who decided on Pablo Sandoval like who decided like what are whose fault is this we don't even know whose fault it is and like we're dealing with these like guys that we just finished paying and yeah then Charrington took the blame for it but partly because Lucchino was out of the organization by then and now like now, like, you got Tom Werner and, and John Henry, and they're, like, they can kind of have that Bob Kraft come to Jesus moment where they realize, like, wow, we should have given Bill Parcells the power to shop for the groceries right. if we are going to have him make the meal. And they get, an, they get a do-over with Bloom. And I'm not saying that they're, like, look, these guys irritate me every day. But they, every day I pay attention to them. But they also, <laughs> like... I think they've learned to just let these people do their job. like, And they've learned because they've been forced to. They, they've tried, they've rolled the dice a hundred different ways, and just the fact that they went back to Cora shows that there's some sort of, like, intelligence operating there, that, like, yeah. this is the right guy, and, like, if you hired Bloom to take over that roster, it was a hundred million dollars in dead money, a bunch of guys that are underperforming and homegrown, and then this like ticking time bomb of Mookie Betts inevitably leaving for huge dollars, and getting nothing for him. And you hire Bloom from Tampa Bay, who's built sustainable success yep. with you know sixteen dollars a week, <laughs> all right. Yeah. And you don't give him a long leash, then you're even stupider than Andrew thinks you are because. Right. Mm-hmm. 
what is the point? Like, right. What are we doing? Are we like a bad franchise or are we a good franchise? Right. Because good franchises have stability. Yes. And that, yeah. And Bloom is, he's clearly moving in a direction. And if you can't see that, sell the team. I mean, thank you for all the memories that you, you know, funded. But like, if you can't see that this guy is building towards something, whether or not it ultimately works or not, I have a feeling that when Bloom leaves this organization, it's not going to be like empty cupboards, worthless assets, old guys who make tons of money that you can't move and you're just, you know, effed for four seasons. It's not going to be yeah. that team. It's going to be a bunch of guys, a bunch of young assets. It's going to be kind of like Charrington. But I mean, honestly, I don't think Charrington had the secret sauce. Yeah. But I, I think Charrington was a great a great system general manager, a poor major league general manager. Yeah, he should have maintained his status as the guy that handles the drafting and the minors right. and everything. Got and behind just, it was like four years, five years too soon for him, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, JJ, you, you brought up two things that are going to be questions I wanted to get to anyway. So let's talk about Cora. And we brought him up a little bit a while ago. He, you know, he's a bit of a Yoda a bit of a sensei for some of these guys, especially, you know, in the 18, 19. Clearly, you know, he's the guy who set a record for wins in, in 2018, and he's, he's the guy that couldn't quite get the team up to defend their title uh, in 2019, which is hard to do in any sport, especially baseball, for a number of reasons. So that's okay, but uh, are we going to get this year, gentlemen, a 2021 version of the 2018 do damage season, or are we going to get more of a... 2019 stumble out of the gates and, and never quite get to a point where you can recover a season? Or are we going to get something in the middle? Well, 2019, the stumble out of the gates was was difficult to swallow because you're coming off that 2018 yes. World Series. So I think you're never going to be the... Tw- I mean, your results are going to be more like the 2019 team, but I wouldn't make the comparison just because that's the expectation out of the game. So... Sure. Um, I mean, I think your season in the end run looks more, a lot more like your 2019 season than it ever will look like your 2018 season. And I don't think it's going to be necessarily to compare, to compare it. You know, I, I, I think 2017 was so disastrously bad yes. for, for that team that uh, 2018 just seemed kind of miraculous, out of nowhere, more so than it was. Um, if that makes sense, like the does that make it? Yeah, are I'm, you following I'm me with on you. This? I mean, the expectations are totally different uh, in, in 2021 than they were in 2019, for sure. JJ, yeah. what, what are you what are you thinking? Are we are we running are we riding a playoff a playoff run here? Are we getting floor with the playoffs in the second wild card? What are we going to do? I think it's all going to depend on how they start. Yeah, and I do I do think they are helped by the fact that they got a bunch of guys on the team that are trying to prove their value not only to the Boston Red Sox but to the league um, yep. 2018 at post 2018 you got a bunch of guys who had just played an extra month in super high leverage games and they also kind of coasted in a spring training like yeah we didn't change nothing we're going to roll it back and as we've learned that's over and over again that's not how you maintain success you you make intelligent decisions and mm-hmm. real take realistic looks at yourself and you know it's complacency is natural and not everybody's Tom Brady ready to go out for another one right after they get one but I think that the one thing that concerns me about Cora is he got really defensive and kind of petty when they were struggling and in 2019 and I'm hoping that he um 
because this team doesn't have the expectations of a 122-win season, that that he is going into it like, hey, let's roll it out there, let's have a good time, let's hit the baseball hard, steal bases, and play some baseball, instead of being like, well, you know, all defensive and like, you know, combative with the media about like his guys and his decisions and just like have a realistic approach to it and be smart and just let the chips fall they may. And I'll tell you one thing, if we're if we're not like relevant, we're gonna trade a bunch of guys. Right, right. So we're not gonna go down we're in a we're in a pooper get off the pot season for everybody on that team and that could be really good unless they come out of the gate scuffling and then you're like, hey, you know what? Let's not have Sale come back. Let's let him get another few months of rest if we can hold him back. Like, let's shut this guy down. Let's shut this guy down. Let's get these three guys up from the minors, and let's trade these six guys for a bunch of assets so we can keep building towards this this really obtainable thing in baseball where if you manage your roster properly and you don't Dombrowski the thing right at the most (laughs) pivotal moment in the choice, the time to make the choice is you go out and Dombrowski it, you can build a sustainable, affordable winner that you are always in the conversation. Yes. You're like, look what the Dodgers have done. They're always in the conversation. They're always there looming when there's like a big free agent agency guy because they can afford it, not because they make a billion dollars a year, which they all nearly do, but because they manage their payroll properly. And they don't just be like, ah, let's just throw all the money at these three guys and then figure it out with the other 22. Like, they build a roster intelligently. They have a mix of youth and of veterans and of pitching and of power and speed, and they put together a smart franchise. And that is what Bloom can do. They built a continuous, a consistent winner in Tampa Bay, yeah. and they did it with no money. So we can be that club if we just give this guy some rope and just enjoy the players and enjoy seeing, like, the value that they have for other players, for other teams too. Yeah. It's not about winning World Series right now. Doesn't mean it's impossible, but like, hey, if we're like, you know, a few games out of the wild card and Bloom pulls the trigger and trades like Renfro and, you know, Kike and, you know, Franchi Cordero and they get, and he gets like some guys that are going to be studs likely in two or three years. Like, take yeah. It. Yeah, take it for sure. Yeah. In, in some ways, Cora and Bloom are in really advantageous positions where Bloom comes in and even the big name you had to trade, everybody knows it's not your fault. Everybody knows the product on the field isn't really yours or it's yours with an asterisk knowing the team you're running. And Cora gets a year off during the team's atrocious 2020 season, gets to see how wrong that was handled on every front, not have to be defensive about it, and then step back into his old job with still some of the players that credited him the most. Yeah, for sure. Like a Devers, like a Bogarts. Like, the guys that loved playing for Cora are still there. And they are the guys who were the, like, the loudest about getting him back in there. So I think these two guys are in really advantageous positions. I, I, I think no matter how this season goes, I, I think you see Bloom and Cora here for the next few years. Got it. Without a doubt. So, and, and let's play up that, that theme. So what would you gentlemen think we're on here? I, I think, yeah, we've, we've seen it happen twice now. I mean, 2013, that was not a team that was we thought was going to win a World Series, and they did. But most likely, you know, you build towards being – in a contention spot and hopefully stay in there. 
So what do you think? This is like a two to three year plan. And if it gets, you know, uh, escalated a little quicker, good for us. But it's probably two, three years out, right? If they're really trying to have flexibility this year to maybe trade back, like you said, and, and get assets that will be studs in two, three years. Is that right to think? Am I wrong? Two, three I, years? I think ideally that's the situation. But I think even people in the Red Sox would recognize their pitching staff and their pitching depth, even at the minor league level, is in such a position that to be two to three years away, I, I just think it's harder when it's your pitching staff that's the biggest question. Right. You know, because, that, I mean, that's one where the big money is going to be in free agency, and it's also where the biggest risks are going to be in free agency. Uh, so I think ideally, yeah, you're seeing this team. I, I don't think they're contending this year. I mean, I think they're a sub-500 team this year, but that could be the last sub-500 team we see here for a few years. But it doesn't necessarily just with the just because of the state of the pitching staff doesn't mean they're top contenders in two to three years. Yeah, that's fair, JJ. Yeah, I mean, I think until they get young, uh, controllable starting pitchers in the organization at the big league level, we're going to be kind of stuck in this um, in between phase yeah. of the Bloom rebuild. So, however long it takes him to get young pitchers that are studs that are ready to ascend to the big league level, that's how long it's going to be until we're in the every year conversation. But there's no reason that as the bad money comes off the books that they can't piece together some interesting competitive teams in two years from now, three years from now. Um, I think we're almost there now. I mean, this could easily be a 500 team or it could be a 92 win team and have a bunch of guys that people like watching and, um, you know, and then be exactly who that we secretly knew they were when it comes to a playoff series against a good team. Right. You know, that's going to depend on how well they play, but as constituted, there's this is kind of a manager's dream of a of a, you know, a manager like Cora that likes to, you know, put guys in the right positions. It's kind of a manager's dream to fill out the lineup card every day. You got like six guys that can play in different positions. Right. You got you guys well constructed in terms of like these guys have great splits against lefties. These guys have great splits against righties. Although they do, they do, they are missing like a, a left-handed bat as currently constituted. But they've got a lot of guys that can do a lot of things, and you can kind of ride the hot hand, and you can you can feed guys with innings that you like the way they play. And they do have like a, a consistent level of talent across the board. It's just like a, a B to an A minus rather than like a B plus to an A plus. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think the fun quotient for this team is high. I, I do think this team will be fun nice. to watch as long as it's not fun to watch in like eleven to nine games every day. Right, right. There'll be some of yeah. those, but hopefully there's some good ones too, like a four to but three. Even if we win, if we win those games, then you'll spend the summer kind of talking yourself into like, well, you know, maybe like, even though we know that you can't win in the playoffs like that, like you'd be like, I don't know, you know, if this happens and this happens, I love yeah. the kids. We're doing this. Right. And that, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm hoping like, we have those conversations. You know, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, August one, trade deadline, like. There have been years when, when we have been able to reconvene our Red Sox talk pre-playoffs because we're just excited that they're hanging in or they're, they're doing it in a way that's fun or they've got a guy like Mookie at the time who is lighting the world on fire and, and you know, anytime a baseball player can do that, that's an amazing thing in the 21st century because not a lot of baseball players can do that. So that part's fun. Um, 
Well, let me ask you guys this. Uh, you know, you've alluded to some of the names and, and some of the flexibility, but are there off-season moves that you're particularly excited about um, now that we kind of know what the 40-man roster is and, and know who's, for the most part, under contract? Um, excited might be a strong word. There's a lot of guys I'm interested in, in seeing. I mean, the, the, that Seabold and the other kid they're picking up from Philly, um, it's interesting to watch them. Uh, I do think Kiki Hernandez, uh, out of everybody they signed straight up, I think he will be, he will end up being some people's favorite Red Sox. Mm. Um, I, you know, he, he will be. He's just going to be fun. So there's that. I'm interested in some of these. I don't know. I mean, for me to get excited it has to be a game changer. I don't know that they necessarily picked up any game changers right now, but there's a lot of guys to be interested in. Yeah. JJ? You know, I'm looking forward to watching Hunter Renfro play regularly. Um, I'm looking forward to um, seeing what Sawamura has, the Japanese reliever that we got. Yeah. I think he might be our closer by the time we hit June, mm. honestly. Um, I'm looking forward to just hoping like hell that Adam Adovino makes the Yankees look stupid for trading him to us. Um, that's He's just bonus points all day long because... They, they trade him to us. They traded a player, a pitcher, to the Red Sox. Yeah, so anytime that yeah, the, the Yankees or Red Sox give each other a player from, by a trade, they clearly have given up on the guy. So that would be yeah, pretty well, sweet. The last time that did happen, it, yeah. the last time that did happen, we were all rooting that uh, Stephen Drew would prove the Yankees wrong. And I don't know that that exactly worked out the way we all dreamed of. Oh, yeah. Stephen Drew is like, he was such a pain in my ass for like three months of that season but you know yeah. like we'll see uh, I'm really what I'm really looking forward to is seeing Evaldi pitching with like a truly healthy stretch of time where his body can recover from what he does to it every year um, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Rodriguez continue his development um, that he was really starting to like step into that role as a, a top of the line starting pitcher yep um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Chris Sale uh, maybe put together like three months of Chris Sale but at the end of the season instead of the beginning of the season. Yep. Um, I'm looking forward to watching Alex Verdugo quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, the outfield's got a lot of potential. Um, I, want, I really want Devers to tighten up his defense a little bit and take that next step um, as a big-time baseball player in this league. And, um, and maybe Bobby Dalbeck can like not become uh, Michael Chavis and actually like continue to hit more than his first week in the big league. So I, Bobby Dahlbeck, I think could be one of these guys that has like an Andrew Benatendi season. We all get really excited about him. We all got really high on him. And then he has two more, you know, now Andrew Benatendi seasons, but he, I he just isn't drinking to will trade him though. Like if he has a yeah. great season and Bloom looks at him, he's like, "This isn't sustainable." He'll be gone, and we'll all be mad. And then two or three seasons, he'll be like, "Man, that was a good move." Yeah, I'll tell you who's going to be good this year and extremely compelling is the GD Worcester Red Sox. Okay, because there's a lot of guys that like aren't like ace prospects that are never going to even play in AAA. There's going to be a, like a bunch of like four A ball players in the Red Sox organization that are going to be playing down at Worcester. I just can't even say down anymore because yeah. it's out at Worcester. And, you know, I'm going to be out there in June. It looks like they're going to have fans of the park, and I can't wait. JJ, what, first of all, 
Bookmark that. The Worcester Red Sox game. Bookmark that because yeah. because I mean, listen, you're you're a Worcester native. Andrew and I both went to college in Worcester, as did you, JJ. I mean, if if we we got to go to a game together, man, we got to get out there. I've heard wonderful things about the park, um, and just to see what Worcester is doing, uh, and once the pandemic is subsided or enough people are vaccinated, I mean. Imagine going to a professional Triple A Red Sox affiliated baseball game in Worcester, Massachusetts. That's yeah, right down in Kelly Square. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. You can take the bus. I can take the bus from my parents' house. That's wild. That's great. Yeah. So um, this year, there it is. There's your date. I'm gonna go and uh, go to a Worcester Red Sox game with you, fellas. I love it. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Can't wait. I know Andrew's we'll got his biggest guy. Jared Duran fans in the crowd. I've already got my gear. I got a Worcester Red Sox uh, jacket, and I got the big W in the Red Sox um, font? The Red Sox font. Yeah, I'm there. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right, guys, listen. Uh, I want to offer you a chance for any parting Red Sox shots, but I have a special, very quick topic for you that I know you'll be able to, to deal with, even though you don't know what it is. And it's not the air fryer story. I'm not even going to blow that one today. We don't need it. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> That's for kitchen quarantine, you know what I mean? Um, and, and Andrew Patterson demanded his own cooking show today. We'll see if we can make that work or not. But regardless, uh, any parting shots before I switch the topic a little bit? Um, you know what? Let go of your expectations. Have fun watching baseball. That's my parting shot for Red Sox. If you're a Red Sox fan, you're – well, not if you're a Red Sox fan, you're listening to this podcast because that would be millions of people. But if you're listening to this specific episode, you're probably a Red Sox fan – let go of any expectations. I, I think you'll, you could have fun this year. Got it. Yeah, just be happy that it's, it's not winter in New England anymore, and you got something that's on 162 times a year. And just enjoy the background and see if you fall for any of these players. It's like the game of golf. It's all about yes. expectations. Yes. If you go out there and you want to birdie every hole, you're going to be miserable. If you're just happy for a nice walk outside with your friends, you're going to enjoy yourself. Uh, let's just see what we got here. We got a bunch of guys nobody's ever really heard of. And let's just watch them and see what comes of it. I like that. All right, listen, switching gears. This is this is in itself an absolute other podcast. But I want to have us on record first as some outlandish takes. Who on earth is going to quarterback the New England Patriots in 2021? Uh, and I'll go first. I don't have any answers either. But I just feel like Cameron Jarrell Newton is going to be back at the helm at least to start the season. Can we do brain, heart, gut on this? Yeah, sure. I think you need to do brain, heart, gut. Yeah, right? okay, okay. So my brain, just the way all of this is playing out, says that you're, you are correct. That it is going to be Cam Newton. Okay. My heart... Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm, yeah. Uh, I would love to... I know he's not... I, I, I still think you need to pick a quarterback early, either this year or next. Yep. Um, but Jimmy, I, I think it would be a lot of fun to see Jimmy G back here, especially if he ended up doing doing really well. Uh, you got your gut or no? Uh, my gut, Mac Jones. Got it. Okay, I like it. Honestly, those are kind of the three the three guys you hear a lot about. JJ, okay, you can you can play it that way, or you can just you don't need to have your heart and your gut and your brain if you don't want. What do you got? Um, you know I. I'm so like I'm so torn on the Cam Newton thing. Yeah. Like I, I think it's a terrible idea, but I'm also oddly kind of into it. Um, I hate the Marcus Mariota talk. Yeah. But 
you know, whatever. What I really want is them to draft a guy at some point in the early part of the draft um, at whatever value they think that they've got uh, in a good player and go out and sign Ryan Fitzpatrick and go be competitive. Fitzpatrick, I'm a Fitzpatrick apologist. The guy doesn't care if you're supposed to stink. He doesn't care if your receivers suck. He goes out there and he keeps you in games and he beats good teams and he loses to bad teams, but he makes it interesting and he's the perfect guy to bridge us the season while we figure out what we've got with the young guys. Jimmy G, I mean, is it? I mean, is it real? I don't. I mean, God, everyone keeps telling us how it's not going to happen. It's impossible. Yet there's always smoke and fire in that department. Yeah. And but on the other hand, like, great. Jimmy G, sure. There's our first six games covered. Who's going to start the rest of the games? The guy can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. It's the English major in me from years ago. The story, the story of Jimmy G coming back and being successful is that I would love that. I'm on board. I mean, I love the idea. I love the story. But, like, honestly, like, is, like, are, like, can't we, like, move forward as an organization? Can't we just... Like, let's just get rid of that whole thing. We had a clean break. It's over. Tom Brady loved rooting for him in the playoffs. Really enjoyed that home stretch. And now let's worry about the Patriots. And let's no way. get somebody that isn't going to be injured every three weeks. Like, he couldn't even finish his tenure here. He had four games here. He didn't even make it through them. Jimmy G versus Tom Brady in the Super Bowl in 2022 would be the greatest storyline sports event of all time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 100% on board with this. Yeah. 100%. That would be the greatest storyline in the history of sports. But the more likely storyline is he goes out with a separate shoulder in week five. And, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, and it's almost more likely that, like, the kid backup that nobody's heard of, ever heard of yeah. game manages the team through the playoffs, and then you get the new Tom Brady versus the old Right, Tom exactly. Brady. Well, that, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I don't know if Jimmy G could make it to this regular season game between the Buccaneers and the Patriots this year. So I think it's like week eight. Like, if, if Jimmy's on your team, he's even get there. Here's what you do, though. You sound it's too like, expensive, too. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. I would love the Jimmy thing, except that you got to pay him with – if you did the Fitzpatrick thing on like a one-year deal, or if you if you decide you want to run back Cam and give him five million dollars a year this year instead of one million, uh, but the goal has got to be that you're bringing a kid along, either in yeah. half a season or a full season, and you're going to let a kid run this thing in 22 and beyond. Because to your point, whether we stumble into the next Tom Brady or not, you. Cam, Fitzpatrick, Jimmy, none of them are the answer for five years. I don't think. I would love Jimmy Belichick to be the answer. is perfect for the new NFL model where you get a young quarterback for pennies on the dollar. Yep. And you build an incredible roster of, like, guards and linebackers yeah. and DBs and running backs and wide receivers. And then you roll out there with like a big strength and a young guy that you bring along and then that guy gets super expensive and then you gotta make your choices you gotta pick your poison but like by then Belichick will be gone like we might get another three years of him maybe four years tops oh yeah Yeah. I tell you what well uh, you know it's it's just exciting to talk a little bit of Patriots with you guys let's let's make a a virtual promise we don't have to convene at Polar Park in Worcester for this one let's definitely make sure we check in post-draft uh, and see where we are with the Pats. Because, you know, 
JJ, you hit the nail on the head. It was fun to watch Tom do his thing down the stretch. The Pats obviously were not competitive down the stretch. Um, but if I think back to those first couple of weeks, I mean, it was definitely refreshing to like be a true Pats fan again, where I just wanted the Patriots to win and be exciting, and I knew that the chances of them doing both of those two things all season weren't great. But it proved to me I still love the team just because they're the team. So now let's get better again. But um, but it's, I have no idea how we're going to get better at that position, and I'm really excited to see how it plays out until it plays out, and then I'll be friggin' nervous until we start playing games. So anyway, um, guys, great job on the sports jerks today. I'm not going to lie. Strong sports jerks performance from a couple of real sports jerks, myself included. <laughs> anyway, Andrew has these two LOL emoji cats that are crying on his screen that have been there since before the pod started. Can't get them off. Can't get them off. And I'm really, and he's walking around, and I'm dizzy, and JJ's in the sound booth. We're going we're gonna to play it out right there, everybody. Guys, stick around for a second. Everybody else, filibusterfreestyle.com. Make sure you follow Man Cook Good at Man Cook Good on Instagram. And by the way, if you want to get in touch with Andrew Patterson's uh, PR department, you got to follow that at Curtis Fingers. It is not Andrew Patterson, but Curtis Fingers is his agent. So for booking, talent, inquiries, at Curtis Fingers. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Gentlemen, muchas gracias. Thank you.